Hello once again everyone this is Fox with five questions only on today's show we have Renee Godefroy Mr. Godefroy hails from a small town a small village in Haiti he came to the U.S. as a teenager was just five dollars in his pocket and today he is a well-known keynote speaker motivational speaker um welcome Mr. Godefroy how's it going it's going great. Thanks for having me on your show. So I look forward to sharing some tips and ideas and strategies with your listeners. Can you hear me okay? I hear you fine. Just, just fine. Thank, thank you for being on the show. Would you like to um, elaborate a little bit more on yourself? Okay. So uh, as you said, I started my journey in a small village in Haiti and uh, where back then in the 60s, life was very primitive uh, without running water, electricity, and access to medical care. Uh, we are talking about nothing at all. So my mom left me in the village when I was about nine months old. She went to the city of Haiti, Port-au-Prince, and uh, she was hoping that she would find a better way to provide for me. It wasn't because she was a bad mother, but she left hoping to break the cycle of poverty. Uh, unfortunately, after she left, I became very sick. Several deadly diseases pounded me. And uh, frankly, they vowed to end my existence. So much so, sometimes I wonder, if God brought me to this planet and forgotten about me. I struggled a lot in the village and uh, I had, like I said, several deadly diseases, uh, cholera and all, uh, I don't know, maybe not cholera, uh, but whatever it was, I had a bloated tummy and I had a lot of parasites inside of me, sucking the life out of me, like living creatures inside of me. Uh, uh, they were they would torment me. During the day, I would be on the floor fending flies off my face, and at night, I would chew away the mosquitoes, uh, crying a lot as a little kid for my mom. And any of you listening here, you can understand what it is to have, in fact, I read in psychology today, it is said that children who are not held, touched and cuddled have a tendency to shrink instead of growing. Coincidentally, uh, Shakana, it's, am I pronouncing your name yeah, right? Yeah, you are. It's, it's, it's not really uh, kids. As adults, we need uh, support. We need the, our peer, we need our community. We need that, uh, caring and loving and TLC uh, all the time. That is like, you know, the people we know, they have our backs, right? They would be there for us. And then even when we do something that the world would criticize us, but those are the loyal people, loyal friends, and they would be there to cheer us on and to forgive our mistakes and all. So um, in the village, I... I didn't really have that. Uh, my mom would be the only person to do that for me, but after she left. So many of the people in the village predicted that would not I would not survive to be a man. 
And some would call me names to belittle me. They would call me Suya Kokobe. Kokobe is a Creole word that means crippled. And so they gave up on me, just like you'll see. A lot of people will give up on you, on your idea, on your dream, and they'll say you're crazy. They will uh, talk about you behind your back. Just like uh, a lot of the people in the village, they predicted that I would not survive because I was so sick. Some people will predict that your idea is not going to work. I mean, you have not even tried yet. Give it a chance. But somehow, and I often say, Shakana, when, when people say that your idea is not going to work, when people criticize you, it's because maybe in the past they've tried something and they failed. And so our mind is designed to generalize everything. So if somebody fails at something, the mind uh, automatically generalizes that anything you try is going to fail. Uh, if you get rejected, let's say you are in sales, you get one rejection, your mind automatically tells you that you don't, don't even try, you'll get rejected. Let's say you are uh, the opposite sex or you wanted to talk to a woman or a man, vice versa, and then you get a rejection, let's say in high school or in you know at the prom or whatever. So because of the reject that one rejection, it was so painful, emotionally painful, your mind tells you that, hey, you might as well don't ask anybody out because you're gonna get rejected. So that's the kind of trick that the mind plays on us. And so that's all these things in the village. As you can tell, right, uh, I was really born to succeed. I was really born to do great things in life, but I was born in a box, in an environment that actually programmed me for failure, if you know what I mean, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the listeners, a lot of you that are uh, who are listening to this podcast right now, you are so much bigger than you might imagine. There's so much power in you. But unfortunately, the people around you, your environment, and they tend to program you. And again, that's the crab in the barrel mentality. So when I was a kid in that village, I would go to the ocean because I was by the ocean. And I would go catch the blue crabs in the ocean. When you catch the first crab, you put it in the bucket. It's fine. You don't have to put a lid over that bucket. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. It's the opposite, right? When you the first crab, you have to put a lid to cover it because it'll escape. Uh -huh. But if you catch the second one, the third one, and the fourth one, you don't have to put a lid over the bucket. Don't worry about it because none of them will escape. You know why? Because, hey, they will keep pulling each other down, down and down. So that's what happens in our environment, in our social circles, right? In the crabs, it's not like they have their intention is to destroy you is because they can only see limitations based on their limitations. Does that make any sense? It does. It does. 
And so after I left the village, I actually went to Port-au-Prince, the big city where my mom lived. And I thought mom was doing well. She had money because when I arrived in Port-au-Prince, I, I saw all those cars. I remember the first time I saw a car was the time I saw this old truck, battered truck, Voisifan, they called it. And I got it was at night. I got dizzy. That was the first time I saw lights, really. And I ran away. I hid behind a tree. But now I'm in Port-au-Prince. I arrived. I'm seeing all those cars, like Mercedes-Benz and all kinds of cars, trucks and stuff. And I'm seeing buildings and lights. I was like, whoa. So I'm thinking Mama is rich. But when I arrived where mama lived, I discovered she was not rich by any means. She lived in a little shack uh, infested. It was like a dungeon, like a prison uh, cell. Uh, it was infested with rats and roaches, probably not even a prison cell because here you would not see that. Uh, I would sleep on the floor with my sister, my brother, whom I didn't know. I met them in the city. And um, the rats in the nibble would just, uh, the rats, not nibble, the rats in the roaches would cross over us all night. And the word nibble, I was going to say, is because there were mornings when I would wake up, the, the, the rats would nibble the, the, the butt of my feet. And so that's what it was for me in Port-au-Prince. Life was really tough and difficult. Um, it, it sounds like you are in a tunnel and it is so dark inside a tunnel. You don't see a way out and you don't have a model. Like, am I talking too much? Or no, I... no, no. I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. Okay. Like in the United States of America, in this country, uh, there are so many lights at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is maybe you are born in, for example, as an example, is in a ghetto. There's probably not a light in that ghetto, but there is a library with free books. And every one of those books, uh, you, can, you can count them as a light because there's nothing stopping anyone from reading those books. I mean, like, it doesn't matter if you're white, if you're black, if you're Asian, if you're Haitian, you can go to the library. You can get some of those books are classics. I mean, like, I remember the first time I read How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I was like, wow, this is just amazing to learn about these success strategies. When I read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. So that's the light at the end of the tunnel for me. But when I was in Haiti, uh, in at least in my, now I'm not saying there are no books in Haiti. Uh, there is an elite in Haiti. There are people living really large in the mansions, driving Rolls Royce and Mercedes Benz, and they can have like dinner in Haiti and go have a drink in Miami. But what I'm saying here for me, for my environment, I didn't have that. I didn't have those books. I didn't have models. I didn't have a podcast like yours to have somebody like myself 
talking and sharing advice, sharing strategies and tips. And that to me, that's the light at the end of the tunnel. And having said that is to say, we do have a lot of excuses. Um, we make a lot of excuses, but I think ultimately, so Shakana, if you were to come to me to ask me for some, let's say you say you had like five seconds and, mm -hmm. and you give me like the nugget what I need to do. The first thing I would tell you is to take responsibility for your life and for your results, for your outcomes. Because nothing happens until you accept full responsibility. Now you can give me a truckload of excuses. Um, can, can I share a quick story with you? Um, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Let me share this with you. Um, I was in Haiti. I did a television interview. This was recently? Yeah, that was about four or five years ago. Okay. And uh, so I was talking to a young man after the interview and he was trying to tell me, he was trying to persuade me why I don't understand his situation. And he said, well, you know, I went to high school. After high school, I finished and my parents are so poor. I can't go to college. I can't really further my education. I've been here for five years, uh, just no education and there's nothing to do and life is a dead end. So there was a saying that goes, if you argue for your limitations, you will get to keep them. They are yours, right? Right. And so I began to think about this narrow-minded thinking, the mindset. I said to him, okay, now you've been home for like four or five years, whatever, and uh, the United Nations now, they are in the country and they are higher, they are giving jobs to people who speak English. I said, do you mean to tell me for four or five years, you know for a fact, if you learn English at the very least, even if the United Nations didn't come to this country, there are a lot of nonprofit organizations, a lot of churches in the United States, they come to Haiti, they are always, always looking for people who speak English to translate. You mean to tell me you could not learn English in those four or five years? without going to college. So it's because your limitations, you focus so much on your limitations, you are just like a deer in the headlights. And so you are mesmerized, you are hypnotized by your limitations, okay? I said, and then he said to me, well, you know, I don't have money to buy the books. I said, okay, again, that's talking about your limitations. That's an excuse. I said, now, if I come from the United States and you ask me, let's say, for $10, I don't know you. I've never met you before. I don't know your intention, your agenda, what you're going to do with the money. Maybe you're going to buy some liquor. Or I don't know. It might be very difficult for me to really just give you the $10 without hesitation. Hesitation. By the way, some words I still can't pronounce. Um, you're good. 
<laughs> but I'm doing really well. I, I know about 20 words, Shakana, I put them together <laughs> creatively. And I wrote a book and I give a speech and they give me a check. I mean, this is a beautiful country. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Now, not to break up your story, but um, obviously we, we do have options. And like you say, we see our um, limitations and we just focus on it. Have, have there ever been a time where now you're obviously successful now and um, your outlook on life is just so grand, but has there ever been a time where you felt like, well, maybe I, I keep going for this and I want to come to the U.S., but maybe I'm feeling like it, it probably won't happen. Like I'm, we're all human. Doubt does creep up sometimes, but has there ever been a time and how did you handle that? Okay, so yeah, let me answer this question, but quickly before, because I don't want to do no, what do you call it, uh, cliffhanger or whatever. Okay. But um, the, so I told a young man, if you came to me and you asked me for, uh, you, you said, oh, listen, there's a bookstore here and um, there's a little book, English to learn English. So if you can do me a favor, I'm not asking for a head out. If you can just walk in here and buy this little book for me. And I promise you next year when you come, I'll be speaking some English with you. And that I will, not me, anybody would just go and buy the book for him. So that's the whole point I was making. He needed to be more creative. Now let's answer your question. Um, you, the, your question is, has there ever been a time when I felt discouraged or right. wanted to give up, right? Right. Yes. That's a great question. And my answer is going to be, uh, turning some Christmas, uh, some lights on in the mind, just like a Christmas tree. It's probably going to liberate a lot of people who are thinking about creating right now. And, um, my answer is this, yes, every single day, okay? In fact, I was running a half marathon and it was so painful by the time I get to six miles, even when I'm doing cycling, like I go to class for cycling. And I was telling somebody there in the class, a young lady that was her first time, I said, there's not a single person in here, including the instructor, including the guy you see at the front in at the marathon who is running so fast and looks like, you know, he is the winner, clearly the winner. He is thinking about quitting at every moment. The only difference between him and the quitter is that the quitter quits. The quitter listens to the voice in the head and quits, but he kept telling himself, just push another mile. And when he gets to the other mile, he says the same thing over and over again. In essence, when you look at the people at the top, do not think that they are not thinking about quitting. Some challenges and some obstacles. And how do I know that? Well, I read a lot of books, a lot of biographies and autobiographies. And they wake up every day thinking, is it worth it? Should I continue do, doing this, this, this podcast? It's only 20 people listening. It's only 50 people listening. It's only 100. Whatever the number is, 
When am I going to get to the big numbers? Why is it like so many people, and that's what we do, Shakana, we measure by what other people are doing out there. Why is it such and such is so successful? They have so many listeners and so many viewers and they are doing so well and, okay. But, uh, 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 but what, what I'm trying to say here, if you're trying to compare where you are with somebody who is way up there, like 10,000 miles, that will discourage you really fast. That will uh, cause you to stop trying. Okay, so that's, yeah, that's the long answer for a short question is yes, every single day we think about quitting or maybe sometime when we meet a wall, like a huge challenge and we begin to question is, why did I get into this? Is this going to work? Am I going to be able to overcome this one? So yes, to your answer, we think about quitting, but we just don't quit. I mean, it's like two voices in our head. One is saying to quit. One is saying to, to keep going. And you got to make sure that you listen to the one that says keep going. Now, there are times where you don't have enough resources. You don't have connections. You just don't have the right knowledge. And you're writing a, or, or you, you just get to a point where you reach your limits, right? That's why you see entrepreneurs that are doing so well. They realize like now it's time to hire a CEO because I have reached, I have reached my limits. And then they hire a new CEO. So or just go get some books. Just talk to some people. Get some course. Get some trainings. Or just get the knowledge because you're stuck because you don't know. Because if you did know, you would not be stuck. So get some coaching, some guidance or consulting. Just read some books. And that's what it takes. Right. Now, you've gotten so far um, along your journey. Um, how did it get to this? Like, how did you say, Hey, I want to be a keynote speaker? Was it always like this or just one day along your journey, it just routed you this, this way? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. Uh, it is a great question because we don't necessarily choose where we are now, rather where we are now chooses us. So that's why you don't give up because getting into this thing was not your idea. It was a divine purpose. And so you didn't choose it, it chose you. Same thing for speaking. I mean, I didn't come to the United States of America and you know, I was a janitor in Miami I was washing cars in the streets. I mean, I was doing what broke. Uh, immigrants did not speak English. Uh, that's what I was doing, right? With no connections, no friends. I didn't, while I was picking up the trash, I didn't say, I'm going to be a motivational speaker, a business consultant in the United States. I mean, it didn't happen that way for me. Maybe for some people, they had the dream ever since they were a kid, but for me, but even if you were a kid, 
it was like a divine order. It, it was like some kind of guidance, invisible hands guiding you. And so that's what it was for me. So I came to the United States. I did all these uh, odd and menial labor. And eventually I became a doorman at a hotel in Atlanta. I was a doorman for 14 years and uh, I was parking cars. I was, I, that's when I learned, uh, that's where I learned what books to read. And I was reading, I was finding books on the back seat of the cars that I was parking. And I would just pick up the titles. I'd go across the street to Barnes and Nobles and I would buy all those books and I would read, read and devour and steady and steady those books. And then one day I saw a book and I was reading it and the guy was talking about being a motivational speaker, making money and all this thing. I said, what the heck? I mean, I've tried everything else in the United States. I mean, I was a dishwasher, boot, carpenter, wash cars in the streets. I might as well try this one too. But little did I know I was being guided. It was like my path, it was my journey. It was like, you know, where I was supposed to go, right? So basically, you don't choose, you, you do not choose what you are doing. It sort of like chooses you in a way. But the bigger thing is there's a divine order, there's a divine purpose. It's it's a calling. It, it, it's it's your mission in life, right? that vision to go forth. So that's why even when the people around you are discouraged, they are giving up, even when they are suggesting directly or indirectly, sometimes they would suggest directly or indirectly to give up. You just don't give up. You, you, you just stay with it. And I discovered I can be a motivational speaker in America, by the way, Shakana. Um, you, don't you like it the way I pronounce your name in French? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but because French is my primary language. Now, here's, here's, here's what happens, right? Um, well, for me, it's when I was at the hotel, mm -hmm. I, 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 I saw the book, and you can become a motivational speaker. And I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Now, the first thing that happens is the little voice in your head that tells you, oh, you, you don't speak proper English. You're not from the United States. You didn't go to high school, to college in this country. You don't have friends. And how are you going to, how is it that a meeting planner is going to put you on a big stage? Well, you wanna know what that little voice is? Most people do not understand. 99% of the people don't understand what this voice is. They think it's a ne negative voice. But in reality, this little voice is actually God testing you to see how committed you are. Do you really want it? Do you see what I mean? How's that for a new perspective? Hmm, interesting. Yeah. And then soon as you hear that voice, you say, yes, I really want to do this. Yes, I'm going to succeed at it. Now you're giving the confirmation. Yeah, okay, you are going to do it. By the way, when that little voice started talking to me, here's what I said to myself. Okay, wait a minute now. 
I said I'm going to be a motivational speaker, and you said I'm not qualified. Okay, let's let's do the math. Mm-hmm. Every morning I'm in the United States, and I see a guy on television motivating and inspiring Americans. Then one day I sat down. And I said, "Wait a minute, now, Renee, come on. If Jerry Springer can motivate Americans, 